Uh, and that's really what we've been talking about in our uh, Strength to Strength sermon series since, uh, since January. We're in part five today. If you've missed any of the previous ones, go ahead, go online, go castlerockadvents.church, find the resources tab, and it's sermons right there. Anyway, some really good, uh, good practical things that have been helpful for me that I've been growing because of in 2018, so I hope that you've been growing too. And today we're going to take a look at one more thing when it comes to how can I have a progressive walk with Jesus, one that doesn't stagnate, but that keeps growing, that I become more and more like him, that I go from strength to strength, glory to glory, that I'm not just a Christian in name only. How do we do that? And so um, today, <clears throat> we're going to focus in on prayer, one of my favorite subjects to preach on. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I try to sneak in a prayer sermon like every six weeks or eight weeks. Anyways, um, <clears throat> so I'm going to start with a story, uh, a story about Nina. I went to, it, w- it was my first church after graduating from seminary, <clears throat> 2013, January, it must have been somewhere like January 8th. It was the beginning of 10 days of prayer at uh, the new church that I had just been assigned. And so I, I went there, and there was this lady, Nina Herman. Uh, maybe I shouldn't tell you all the specific. Anyways, <laughs> uh, this lady, Nina, she showed up. She was at prayer meeting. It was, I had interaction with her before because I was a youth pastor in the area and had seen her kids and stuff like that, but I never really had quality interaction with her. It got, she was sitting in the front row of our 10 days of prayer meeting, and I got to catch up with her afterwards. And she had been in the church, but not really in the church. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, She'd been in the church, but not really in the church. She'd been nominally Adventist. She'd been nominally Christian. And uh, 2013 was a new page for her. She said, at the beginning of this year, I said, I'm going to go to every prayer meeting. So there she was front row. And as we journeyed together over the next 10 days, during that 10 days of prayer, and then week after week, as Wednesday night prayer meeting went on at that church, things began to change in her life. Um, There was a revival, a genuine revival in her own heart, where Jesus became not just a a thing to say in a song. (laughs) Jesus was not just an idea, but Jesus was her Savior. She began to experience again Um, a relationship with Jesus that was real. And the truth is that when we pray, we grow. Have you noticed that? When we pray, we grow. And it didn't stop that for Nina. It didn't stop just in her own experience. Actually, the blessing started to overflow as she continued week after week coming to prayer meeting. She would share testimonies about things happening, not just in her own life, but also in the lives of her family. Her daughter was in a situation where she was living with friends where she was just enabled to continue a destructive habit, um, substance abuse. And, as, and one of her specific prayers, week after week, uh, was for her daughter. And she became free from that. Methamphetamines is not something very easy to become free from. And God delivered her. And then and the stories continued as week after week she, she gave testimony and we began to pray more and more for her family. She realized the power of prayer that when she prays, she grows, but when she prays, other people are able to grow too. And so we began to pray for her husband, and that's her husband, Frank. And again, I didn't have much personal interaction with Frank, but from the times that I was youth pastor in the area and stuff, um, <clears throat> I would see him at academy football games and academy basketball games, and my impression of him was... He was the dad who yelled 
all the time from the sidelines at the refs, okay? He was the guy who would get super passionate, and he'd also get super angry. And he would just go swing from, uh, you want to shake the guy's hand and have fun with him, but then you don't want to shake the guy's hand because you're not quite sure what you're going to get. And uh, I began to pray with Nina for Frank, and it, it got to a point <clears throat> where it had gotten very, very difficult in their marriage because substance abuse wasn't something that was just relegated to their kids. And as Frank uh, and Nina, you know, struggled through these things, Nina almost gave him an ultimatum, you know. If this doesn't change, then something's going to change. And one day, it was October. So January, fast forward to October, uh, maybe September, September. And um, 2013, Wednesday night prayer meeting, Nina's there in the front row and slowly walks in Frank and sits right there next to her. Man, when we pray, we grow. <laughs> and it was awesome because that particular day we had set prayer meeting to be a little bit different format because we had scheduled a prophecy seminar to begin uh, in, you know, just a few weeks in October. And so if that prayer meeting, we decided to make it a prayer walk throughout the church. We'd go into the fellowship hall where we would pray for the stage and the sound system. We'd pray over the kitchen where the refreshments were going to be served. We prayed for the round tables because we were deciding to do like round table discussions um, as opposed to just like pews and rows and lecture and stuff like that. It was more going to be an interactive thing. And I joined the group with Nina and Frank and they were praying over the tables and Frank had no idea what to do. <laughs> you know, you could just kind of tell that it was awkward for him, but then he gave himself a chance to pray. <clears throat> and he prayed for the tables and he said, God, I don't know who's going to sit around these tables, but I pray that you would change their lives. Little did Frank know he was praying for himself. Two weeks later, when the series started, in walks Frank. <laughs> All gruffy from his... He does road construction stuff, so like bridges and stuff over the roads and everything. Anyways, and so he's all... He comes in just as he is, you know? And um, there, there were nights where he came in a little too jovial, you know? Anyways, a little... Anyways, <laughs> but he came... Night after night after night. It was night probably 12, and we addressed the, issue, the, the, the subject and invitation of baptism. First one out from his seat. Frank is the guy. I want to be baptized. Tears streaming down his face. Ah, oh, man. Anyways, he was one of the first guys that got to baptize at that church. <clears throat> and for him, it was a rebaptism. But all this started with prayer. When we pray, things change. When we pray, People grow. And it's no wonder that when Jesus was about to leave his disciples and he looks into their eyes and says, Hey, I'm not going to be with you very much longer. And he goes on to that final discourse in John 14, 15, 16. It's no wonder that frequently, like six times throughout those three chapters, he says, Ask, ask, ask. He's talking about praying because he knows that when we pray, we grow. And then when the disciples Watch Jesus go, you know, far, far away and do the whole Superman act. And they're wondering, when is he going to come back? And the angels tell them, he'll come back. Just go. <laughs> you know, they, they go fulfill the commission to wait in Jerusalem. So they go back to the upper room and what do they do? They pray, right? They pray because when they pray, things change. And here's what dawned on me. As I, I, I've shared this with you, I started reading the book of Acts again at the beginning of the year. What dawned on me is that the disciples prayed a lot, but they didn't used to pray a lot. 
Do you think about that? Like, you look at it in the story of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The disciples happen upon Jesus when he is praying. But you don't see the disciples praying very much. When Jesus invites them to pray, what are they doing? Okay, so for them, prayer was... So pre-cross, the, the, the prayer life of the disciples was, was pretty pathetic. Yeah? Post-cross, post-resurrection, the prayer life of the disciples was radically different. How? What was it? What were the dynamics that made for strength-to-strength prayer? That's what I want to ask today. What, what are the things about prayer, or how can I engage prayer in a way that the disciples did, where they went from pathetic to powerful, right? How can I go from strength to strength in my prayer life? So that's what we're going to study today. <clears throat> it was really cool. Uh, when, I, when I set up this whole sermon series about strength to strength and stuff, um, I, I had a different idea in mind for this week's uh, subject on prayer. But uh, as we studied, or as I studied, and the Lord just, yeah, kind of blew it out of the water. So here we go. We're going to look for three dynamics, three simple dynamics of strength-to-strength prayer that the apostles experienced. And we're going to go largely to the book of Acts. So go ahead. If you have a Bible, find the book of Acts. We're going to go there. We're going to spend a lot of time there. The first dynamic that we're going to notice when it comes to -to strength-to-strength prayer is that the disciples, the early church, they prayed consistently. They prayed consistently. All right. Book of Acts. And so if you don't have a hard copy Bible, if you've got a Bible app, if you don't have something in front of you, make sure that you're looking along with somebody else. It's good. Okay, here we go. The book of Acts. And so we're going to start, what we're going to do is just going to kind of flip through, scroll through, whatever, a whole bunch of references just to get this idea that the apostles prayed Consistently, They prayed with consistency. Okay, so Acts chapter 2. We're there. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And we'll start seeing a pattern here. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. The Bible says, I'm reading from the New King James. It says, and they continued how? What does your Bible say? Steadfastly. Okay, so there's a persistence here. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in what else? Prayers, okay? There's a continuation, a steadfast continuation. Go to the next chapter. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Okay, not too far from Acts chapter 2. All right. Chapter 3 says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the what? At the time of prayer. At the hour of prayer. Okay, so Peter and John, they were mindful that there's this time. There's a a time for it. Okay? Let's go to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 and verse 4. <clears throat> here, you know, this is actually a story we we're looking at in our youth Sabbath school class. Um, but here the apostles are talking to a group of people who want them to, who want the apostles to invest their time and energy into something else. But the, the apostles, they're, they're kind of drawing lines, drawing boundaries. And they, they say, hey, this is what we're going to give ourselves to. Verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer, and to the ministry of the word. I like that. The leaders of the church, they recognize, you know, we need to give ourselves to something. We can't, we can't be everywhere doing everything. But what were the two things, according to this verse, what were the two things that they gave themselves to? To prayer and to the ministry of the word. Yeah, spreading of the gospel, the teaching about Jesus. I love that. I love that. 
And there it is, that, that dynamic again. Give ourselves continually. We'll give ourselves continually. Does anybody else's Bible say it differently? In there, in verse 4? Okay, give our attention, and then is there a, an adverb after that? or No? Okay, so th- this idea of, hey, we, we've got to invest our time in this. Invest our time. Okay, another verse. Uh, Acts chapter 12. <clears throat> Acts chapter 12. And we're going to take a look at verse 5. Acts chapter 12 and verse 5. Man, I don't know if you realize this, but one of the common threads throughout the book of Acts is suffering and persecution. <laughs> you think about the Acts church being a church that grows. Well, maybe part of that recipe is suffering and persecution. Not to say that we need to bring that upon ourselves, but just, yeah, just side note. Okay, so here we are, Acts chapter 12, verse 5. It says this, Peter was therefore kept where? In prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Awesome. How, how much prayer was offered to God? during that. It's constant, 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 okay? Unceasing. There's a continual dynamic. There's an ongoing dynamic of prayer in the life of the early church. One more verse. Uh, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 13. All right. Acts 16, verse 13. When you're there, say, I found it. Cool. All right, here's Paul. He is journeying, going into new towns, new territories, And it says in verse 13, On the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. What's another word you could use for that? Customarily made. Uh, Habitually. Yeah? Okay. Habitually made. Yeah. Regularly made, right? It was something that was just on the town calendar. You just knew that if you wanted to pray, go to the riverside at X day at Y time, right? So th- this is the idea where prayer was customarily made. Uh, th- we could probably go to maybe a half dozen other texts just in the book of Acts that just demonstrate this idea that prayer was ongoing. It was just part of the DNA of the church. It became so much, I would suggest this, it became so much a part of the DNA of the church that this was one of the marks of a disciple. Like you look, you look back in Acts chapter 9. This is really interesting. In Acts chapter 9, where Saul is on his way to Damascus, right, to persecute the believers. He gets knocked off a horse, blinded by Jesus' glory, and he's led by the hand into Damascus. And it says there that he was fasting for three days, and then there's a man named Ananias. He's a believer also, who heard that Saul was coming to town, probably fearful of Saul, but God speaks to Ananias and says this, I want you to find Saul. And I want you to give him a commission from me. And Ananias is like, wait, this is the guy that wants to take us all to prison. (laughs) And God says, in vision to Ananias, he says, behold, he is praying. Did you catch that? He is praying. In other words, for Ananias, this was something that kind of let his guard down. Oh, okay, okay. Like, he's actually following Jesus. It became so much a part of the DNA of the church, of, of what it meant to be a disciple, that it, it, was, it was their, their mode of operation. It was their default mode, so to speak, to pray in life and in ministry, in making decisions, in establishing churches, in releasing people to go here, to go there. It became what they did whenever they were encountered a problem. Even when they were put in prison, that's what they did. Prayer 
was their pulse. Do you follow it? Yes or no? Yeah? Strength to strength prayer in the early church, one dynamic is that they prayed consistently. And I would even say this, they prayed constantly. That's why you get verses like this in 1 Thessalonians. Oh, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 9. Oh, there, there it is. He is praying. Behold, he is praying. But that, that's how Paul could say things like this in 1 Thessalonians. He said, <clears throat> rejoice always, pray continually, ongoing, never ceasing, right? And in Philippians 4, 6, verses 9, I'm sorry, in Philippians 4, 6, this is the New English translation. He says this, do not be anxious about anything. What are you talking about? <laughs> Instead of responding to problems with anxiety, respond to them with prayer, he says. Why? Because we can pray at all times and for all things. Do not be anxious about anything. Instead, in every situation, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, tell your requests to God. The early church, when they experienced the power of prayer, it was because they were praying consistently. They were praying constantly. And some of us think to ourselves, praying without ceasing, praying continually, how realistic is that, right? Uh, You know, I I would say this. How many of you have found that your cell phone has become so much a part of your life that you never turn it off? Am I the only one? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. You never turn it. I mean, your cell phone is literally on all the time. You, you You may not be holding it all the time. You may not be on it all the time, but it's on right? Here's the thing. It's a point of communication. You don't want to miss out on what, you know, what notifications come in, what messages come in, etc., etc. Actually, there's a condition that's called FOMO. Have you heard of that? Fear of missing out. FOMO. So, so people feel phantom rings or, you know, phantom vibrations when it's really, they're, they're constantly checking their phone as if there's something, because there's a, anyways. So this is just kind of uh, an analogy here that the phone has become this constant line of communication that is constantly open. And I believe that for us, if we're going to experience strength-to-strength journey with Jesus, we're going to have prayer be a constant line that's open, that's always on. Do you follow that? It's never unplugged. It's never turned off. Because prayer is so much a part of us that we pray continually in all things at all times. You follow? Yeah? And so a simple appeal, um, just with this first dynamic of strength-to-strength prayer being consistent prayer, friends, let's pray. Why hold back? Why wait until the very last minute of a situation to pray about it? Why not pray? There's stuff that's going on. Pray about it. Pray, and I would say this, pray not just sporadically when it's convenient. Pray constantly and consistently. Do you see the difference I think there's a time, there is a season in my life where I realized I'm just praying when it's convenient or I'm just praying when it's urgent. The early church was praying all the time. <laughs> and I think if we were to experience a strength-to-strength journey with Jesus, our prayer lives will go from more than just praying when it's convenient or praying when it's urgent to praying because it's constant. Yeah? I want to experience that more and more. So what I've done, uh, just to encourage that more in my heart, in my life, is I've told my phone to tell me to pray. <laughs> I've told my phone to tell me to pray at 805, 905, 10.05, 11.05. Anyways, it'll give me different prompts of what to pray for just so I'm not, like, looking around, help, you know, that kind of thing. Anyways, so I don't know what it is going to be for you, but give yourself a practical way to just pray constantly 
or maybe it's not const- maybe the word constantly is a, is a hang-up for you. To pray consistently. How's that? To pray consistently. Maybe it's one day, a set time of that day, every week, you have your own prayer meeting with Jesus. Try it. Maybe instead of, um, you know, putting your shoes by the door, the, the shoe rack by the door, I don't know, this might bother your spouse, or your parents, or whatever, but put your shoes under your bed. So when you're getting ready for class or getting ready for work, and you're looking for your shoes, you have to get on your knees before you go. What about that? What about that? No, okay. Anyways, just, just get creative. <laughs> just get creative and pray consistently. Pray consistently. Okay, second dynamic. We've got three dynamics we're going to put together here because one of these dynamics all by itself is nice, but it's not, it's not potent, okay? So pray consistently. <clears throat> the other one is this. Prayer in the early church, they prayed unitedly. They prayed unitedly. Another way to say that is they prayed together. They prayed together. We're going to look at a few more verses here. Some of these are the same verses that we just read. And I'm not being redundant. It's just that some of the dynamics of continual prayer are actually coupled with united prayer. So let's go Acts chapter 1. Back to the beginning. Acts chapter 1. Are we following okay today? Yeah? Are are your your fingers getting a workout a little bit? I hope that you can look at these verses with your own eyes. Um, yeah, there's, there's something about it because, yeah, it'll, what we behold, we become. All right, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. <clears throat> Acts chapter 1, verse 14. If you're there, say amen. All right. Here we go, verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Okay, there's the, the actually the two dynamics are right there. They all continued, so there's that constant, consistent dynamic. But it says these all continued with one accord. There's a togetherness in prayer and supplication, okay? Um, how about Acts chapter 4? Acts chapter 4, verse 31. All right, Acts chapter 4, verse 31. This is after the, the disciples are, or at least Peter and John, they're kind of released from the Sanhedrin. They, they were kind of arrested. But they go back to the early church, or they go back to the believers that are gathered who are praying for them, and they start praying again together. And in verse 31, it says this, Acts 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they, will, they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Boom. <laughs> I mean, would you have liked to see that? To experience that? There's something that happens when we pray together. Together. And when they were all assembled together. Okay, there, uh, let's go to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. We were there earlier. Let's go there again. Acts 12 Verse 5. Again, Peter is, is put in prison. <clears throat> not because he was, he was doing anything wrong, but he was just not meeting the expectations of the rulers at the time. So Acts chapter 12, verse 5. We read this earlier, but notice not just the constant dynamic. Notice the united dynamic. Verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but what kind of prayer? What is it? But constant prayer was offered to God for him by who? The church, okay? And you, you're not quite sure if they were in proximity of each other or if they just knew. They had a, like a text prayer chain that said, okay, everybody pray. Everybody pray. Except that later in chapter 12, when Peter is released, do you know what happens? 
an angel kind of slaps him at the side and says, hey, Peter, get up. Right? He's sleeping the day before his persecution or his, his, uh, uh, his death. Anyways, angel gets him up, opens one door, opens the other door, opens the other door. And he's out there on the street and he kind of comes to himself and realizes, oh, that was not a dream. And so he goes to someone's house where prayer was customarily made. It was actually John Mark's mom's house. And he goes there, and you find Rhoda, you know, as Peter is knocking on the door, Rhoda comes and answers and realizes it's Peter, shuts the door on him and says, hey, it's Peter outside. You remember that story? (laughs) Anyways, so there were believers together, even together, unitedly together, praying in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, for their friend. Uh, Acts 12, verse 12, there's that verse. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. There it is. There it is. All right. See, there's something powerful about constant prayer or consistent prayer. But when there's consistent united prayer, that's a dangerous combination. Okay? The kingdom of darkness realizes that at the sound of fervent prayer, the whole host of the enemy trembles. But when there's a sound of fervent united prayer, that gets serious. The gates of hell cannot prevail against that. Okay? Um, there's, the, yeah, it's, it opens prison's doors, apparently. <laughs> Acts chapter 16. Let's go there again. Acts chapter 16. We were there just a while ago. <clears throat> Prayer was customarily made at this riverside, but notice the dynamic again. Verse 13. Acts 16, verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. In other words, it was a gathering. There were multiple people who were there. There, Again, it's consistent, set time, set place, but it's also united. It's also together. It's interesting that that it says that it spoke to the women who met there. I don't know if you've noticed this, but generally speaking, in the churches that I've been a part of, it's women who are more prone to invest themselves in prayer. So let me just speak to the gentlemen in this room. Men, we need to pray. (laughs) Plain and simple. Gentlemen, we need to pray. We need to pray. I praise the Lord for praying women. I praise the Lord for praying moms. In fact, I just came across this international ministry of moms in prayer. I don't know if you've heard of that. Moms in prayer. So you, you form groups to pray for your kids and also your kids' schools. Um, and it's just, it's all around. Anyways, but, but I thought to myself when I found this website, I was like, what about dads in prayer? <laughs> Bro, gentlemen, brothers, come on. Let's pray for our homes. Let's pray for our families. Let's pray for our marriages. Gentlemen, let's pray. Ladies, let's pray. Let's pray consistently. Let's pray unitedly. And I'll tell you, my experiences, I, I, it's not like united prayer was always a part of my experience or my, my journey growing up in church. Um, you know, there was a prayer meeting at the church that, that our church facilitated on Wednesday nights, but I never went. In fact, the one time I did go, I don't really remember praying. <laughs> Anyways, it was, it was more of like a reading and a study and stuff like that. And so, Anyway, when, when, we, when we pray, we need to pray, first of all. But we also need to pray together. <clears throat> and 
as I have grown in my journey with Jesus, I can look back at the seasons in which my growth was more of an upward trajectory rather than a plateau. And those were seasons where I was intentionally praying with people. Do you follow me? Seasons when I was intentionally praying with people. Um, For example, uh, I was a kind of a new pastor, um, third year, fourth year into ministry. And I was at a church where I was in charge of youth and young adult ministries. And we had, no, we had nothing going on prior to me getting there. And so one of the first things we started doing was we started connecting with the Bible teacher at the academy just down about 20 minutes from our church. <clears throat> and we started to pray. And we prayed. And we prayed. And it was awkward because I didn't really like, pray around or with people a lot. But it was, it was prayer. And that took us from having no young adult ministry to having a young adult ministry that people were walking away from because the house was too crowded and things like that. And it was just, you know, God does things when we pray unitedly. When I was at the seminary, um, there was a friend, a classmate of mine who was also a friend of mine from the past. And so we decided, hey, we're not just going to get lost in the books. We're not just going to you know, we're not just going to let this, like, dry up our souls as we just study day in and day out. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to pray with each other. So we decided to be prayer partners from the very beginning of our two-and-a-half-year journey at seminary. So every week, we would kind of catch up with each other. Hey, what's, what are you seeking from God now? What do you sense Him wanting you to do right now? And how can we pray for each other? And so we would pray. We'd pray. We'd pray. You know what? I just got to talk with him on a conference call um, yesterday morning. Yeah, Friday morning. We still do it. We still do it. It's not every week now, but most every week. And now there are other guys in on it too. And so I tell you, when we pray together, there's something reviving about that. In fact, just on Thursday, I was telling Kim this, I, got, I finally got an invitation to, there's a pastor's prayer meeting for Castle Rock pastors every Thursday morning. I don't know if you know this, but every Thursday morning, all the pastors in Castle Rock are invited to, uh, to pray together. Um, I, for the last year and a half since I've moved here, I never knew where those prayer meetings were. No one ever reached out to me, so I didn't actually know until just this last Thursday. And so I actually got to go, and it was an amazing fellowship, an amazing brotherhood. It was awesome to hear one of these local churches say, hey, every time I pass by and I see your sign, I pray for you guys. You know that there are people praying for us. That's awesome. That's awesome. And when we had our conversational prayer in that prayer meeting on Thursday morning, uh, he, he actually piped up and said, Lord, bless the Castle Rock Adventist Church. They're looking for larger space. Please open up doors. Friends, it's awesome to know when you are being prayed for and prayed with. Praying with people, I, I don't know, this is, maybe this is a, no, I, I'm going to say this. It's a surefire way to keep growing in Jesus. Surefire. I don't know if there's a guarantee in Scripture, but I'm making the guarantee for you <laughs> that when you pray with people, it's hard to shrivel up and die. Do you, do you follow that? When you're consistently praying with somebody, it's hard to die spiritually. It is hard to die spiritually. I, I was so blessed earlier this week. Uh, <clears throat> got to, I get to hang out with Justin and Sally. I'm going to talk about them for a little bit. <laughs> I get to hang out with Justin and Sally, and we, we study together, and we, we talk together, and, and we share life together. And most times, I'm their pastor, and you know, just providing counsel and giving them prayer and stuff like that. But this was one of those times where just a question was asked, and um, I needed ministry. <laughs> and Justin prayed for me. I tell you what, 
When you are being prayed for and prayed with, it is hard to die spiritually. So let's pray consistently. Let's pray unitedly. If we want to go from strength to strength. Yeah? And yeah, I I know we don't have a Wednesday night prayer meeting here at our church, but I don't think prayer has to be programmed. You know, when Justin prayed for me, that didn't have to be programmed. You know, it didn't have to be put in the calendar. It doesn't take much for us to call someone and say, hey, I've been thinking about you and I want to pray with you, you know? It doesn't take much to reach across the dinner table and say, can we pray together? You know? It doesn't take much to be able to text someone and say, hey, I just wanted you to know I'm praying for you today. Let me know what I can pray for. Does that make sense? We can pray unitedly even though there's not a program for it. Actually, there, I guess there are things scheduled in our calendar. Monday mornings, there's a conference call that happens at 6, 6 to 6.30. Wednesday midday, if you're here in Castle Rock near the hospital, at 11.30 in the hospital chapel, we meet for prayer. At uh, 6 in the morning, right, uh, Thursdays, there's ladies' prayer. Um, sometimes it's a conference call if the weather is not so good or, uh, or whatever. Uh, but I think there's even walking involved, too. Um, Maybe those times aren't good for you. Maybe those times aren't convenient for you. That's why you don't need to rely on a church calendar to tell you when to pray together. Amen? Yeah? Okay. So pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Pray consistently. Pray unitedly. All right. I could stop there because that is a dangerous combination. (laughs) But there's a third dynamic. There's a third dynamic. And I don't know if we're actually going to get to, you know, uncover this um, <clears throat> thoroughly. Oh, this is an awesome quote, by the way. Uh, it makes the point that we just made. Seek every opportunity to pray together. Okay? <laughs> um, that's Steph's of Christ 98. Oh, man, I was going to tell this story too. But I'm realizing that I, I don't have... To. Anyways, this is David. David and I started praying together. He wasn't always this smiley. This is more like how I met him. Um, anyways, but we, our church had a 40 days of prayer. And we encouraged each other. Uh, We would meet every Wednesday night during those 40 days. But we encouraged each other to find prayer partners for those 40 days and and call each other to pray or meet together to pray at least once every single day of those 40 days. I didn't have a prayer partner. Nobody wanted to partner with the pastor. Man. And so I I reached out to this guy. David was sitting in the back row when I first met him. And we had a long church. Anyways, he, he would always kind of sit back there by himself. Nobody would really talk to him. He wouldn't really talk to anybody. But I decided to reach out to him and say, hey, David, would you be my prayer partner? So for 40 days, we got to call each other every single day. And wow, that guy could pray. (laughs) It was awesome to be able to pray with each other and for each other. Anyways, that story just reminded me, it is impossible. When you're consistently uniting with someone in prayer, it is impossible to shrivel up and die. If you're finding that your spirituality is is on the decline. Find someone to pray with you. Yeah. And now this guy, he's an elder at that church. Now this guy, uh, when I flew back to California in November, it was his wedding that I got to do because he met his bride at church. Anyways, awesome. Okay, so last dynamic. They prayed consistently. They prayed unitedly. Here it is. They prayed in the name of Jesus. They prayed in the name of Jesus. More than just a tagline at the end of our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. They prayed in the name 
of Jesus. What in the world is this all about? I was looking through the book of Acts to, to look for recorded prayers where they actually say something to that effect in the name of Jesus. But all I could find was that they were preaching in the name of Jesus, that they were teaching in the name of Jesus, that they were healing in the name of Jesus and saying that this man was whole because of the power of the name of Jesus. They were living in the name of Jesus only because they were praying in the name of Jesus. And so what you find is in John, John chapter 14. Okay, so now let's go to John. All right, just some quick, quick, uh, quick verses here. I'm just going to read one of them. John chapter 16, okay? John chapter 16, and I'm going to tell you the other verses. Um, In John 14, 15, and 16, there are six times where Jesus says, ask in my name. Six times he says that in this farewell discourse, which means that there was something about it that the early church or post-resurrection, they needed to know this in order to sustain their spirituality. Acts chapter 16, verses 23 to 24, and also verse 26. If you're there, say amen. Are you there with me? Yeah? Okay. John 6... Sorry, did I say Acts 16? Sorry. John 16. John 16, 23 and 24. John 16, 23 and 24. Red letters in my Bible. It says this, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Okay, so these are some blank check promises that God is giving about something, about praying in his name. Verse 24, notice this. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Skip on down to verse 26. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from my God. Okay, very interesting dynamics here. Oh, man. Um, Let me just give you the other verses, the in my name verses, okay? John 15, verse 16. All right, so you just saw three of those repetitions. In my name, in my name, in my name. John 15, verse 16 has it. And John 14, verses 12 through 14. John 14, verses 12 through 14. And as I was looking at this final point about praying in the name of Jesus, I realized, you know what? This is way too big. So by the, by the time of May or June, we're going to do an entire series on praying in the name of Jesus, okay? So just kind of hold that in, your, in, a, in, a, in a shelf in your mind. But here's the point. Praying in the name of Jesus apparently was not something they did prior to this. While Jesus was with them personally, they never did that. That's why he says this, in that day... You will ask in my name. What day are you talking about, Jesus? The day when I'm gone. The day when I'm in heaven and you're on earth. The day when I'm in heaven representing you, you will be on earth representing me. In that day, you will pray in my name, in my stead, as a representative of Jesus on earth. You will pray. So that the prayers you you lift up to heaven are actually calling heaven down to earth as though Jesus himself were there saying it. As though Jesus were signing his name to the end of your prayers. Suddenly, prayer is not just, Lord, thanks for this food. It's really good. No. (laughs) Suddenly, it takes on the priorities of Jesus, the mind of Jesus, 
and the mission of Jesus. And so you hear the prayers in the upper room. What are they praying about? God, his feet are really smelly. I don't know how much longer I can be up here. No, that's not what they're praying about. They're praying about the will of God being done on earth as though Jesus were praying right there. They're praying for the kingdom to come. They're praying for the salvation of the lost. They're praying for strongholds of the enemy to be torn down. They're doing this consistently. They're doing this unitedly. And they're doing it in the name and power of Jesus. No wonder the room was shaken, right? No wonder the Holy Spirit fell fell on them with power. No wonder they went from strength to strength. Friends, I want to pray like this. (laughs) I want to pray consistently. I want to pray unitedly. I want to pray in the name of Jesus. So united with Jesus' thoughts, his, 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 his priorities, his mission, his mind. So united with his name and his character that when I pray, I'm not just praying my own desires, but I'm praying the desires of heaven. I want to pray like that. That's why 1 John 5, remember the beloved disciple John, when he says, we can have this confidence in prayer, that when we pray according to the will of God, he hears us. Wait, wait, there's something about that. If we want our prayers to be heard, it's not praying in my name. It's not praying for my agenda or for my sake. It's praying for the name and sake of Jesus. Man, I want to pray like that. I want to pray like that. So, simple question today. Of these three dynamics, obviously, this is, the, this is kind of the trifecta, okay? This is the triple threat to the kingdom of darkness. When all of these three things happen, when we're praying consistently, unitedly, and in Jesus' name, oh, then we'll go from strength to strength. So, in your journey, as you want to go from strength to strength, which of these do you sense the Holy Spirit asking you to pay immediate attention to in your own prayer life? Is it consistency? Is it unity, togetherness in prayer? Or is it praying more in line with Jesus' heart than with your own heart? Which of these three? Which of these three? As you're processing that, I want to appeal to you. If you sense, like, okay, that's where I need to give attention to, then do it. then do it. And this is not like, okay, I'm just going to pray more. No, no, no. Even this, I would would say this, accept the gospel invitation to let Jesus do that for you. Does that make sense? I don't know. A lot of times we think, okay, I know Jesus forgives my sins. I could never pay for my sins. But everything else after that, I'm going to do it. (laughs) I'm going to pray more. I'm going to study more. I'm going to do it. No, no, no. I'm going to extend to you the gospel invitation that Jesus saves He even saves your prayer life. Will you accept the grace of Jesus in helping you, causing you to pray more consistently? Will you accept the grace of Jesus to cause you to pray more unitedly? Will you accept the grace of Jesus to actually pray in the name of Jesus? Hmm. How many of you want to say yes to that gospel invitation today? Yeah? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, and as we've studied, uh, I just realized so much my need for you. And when it comes to prayer, this is not something I feel like I've mastered. It's something I feel like I, I have, like a little kid who has no concept of how large the stars are. 
I just feel like there's so much that you are inviting us to. And we didn't read it, but we kind of mentioned the verse, John 15, 16, where it's also a a verse about praying in the name of Jesus. It's something that you've appointed us to, you've chosen us for. God, we want to take up this invitation, this calling, and we want to pray. And so we're, we're asking for the power of Jesus to, to deliver us from our prayerlessness. We're asking for the power of the gospel where Jesus lives out his own prayer life in us. The confidence that he had with you when he was on earth. Lord, we want that kind of prayer to pray in the name of Jesus. We, we want consistent prayer. We want united prayer. Lord, I am asking that if any of us are, are feeling as though our, our hearts are shriveling up, Lord, may this be timely medicine from heaven. I pray, Father, that you would boost and revive our hearts as we pray. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, let everyone sing. Amen. Amen.